You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this bonus episode. It's a collaboration between The Compass podcast and the Sober in Vegas blog. My dear friend Kim, who runs Sober in Vegas, and I had talked privately about how a lot of the resources out there for moms who don't drink are from the perspective of women who had already had kids when they became sober. We wished that when we were making this big life change, we could have found stories from moms who were already sober when going through pregnancy and becoming a new parent. So here it is. It's a casual conversation from two close friends who don't drink about becoming mamas. Check out SoberInVegas.com and SoberInVegas on Instagram for Kim's blog posts and a curation of sober-friendly things to do in her hometown of Las Vegas. And I'll be back from maternity leave after Thanksgiving with brand new episodes of The Compass, interviewing artists about how they balance their creative lives in a healthy way. Take care. I mean, I, I know we had talked about having some sort of conversation around our sobriety and recording it in general. Um, and I'm not sure when we decided to change that to sobriety and becoming a new parent, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think that because when you become a parent, everything is so intensified and so magnified. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, those types of situations, big transitions, big changes used to be a big trigger to drink <laughs> mm-hmm. so maybe maybe subconsciously we both knew that uh that it was a good conversation to have around how things are different now now that we've both been sober for a little while kind of how we have been dealing with this big life transition because you only went through it a couple of weeks ago a month um, ago yesterday <laughs> I'm about you know nine months in which mm-hmm still feels very fresh in some ways um but i think yeah this is a good opportunity for us to reflect on how we've been dealing with big life changes without alcohol (laughs) yeah well even the decision to stop drinking was such a big life change which for me you know wasn't that long ago for you it was how long have you been sober now i started to like 
I did like a dry month back in in December of 2014. Mm-hmm. And then for most of 2015, I sort of played around with moderation where I would be allowed to have like one beer a month. But ultimately I found that that was so exhausting because all I could think about was like that one beer a month. Yeah. <laughs> that it came to the point where I just said like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. Like I don't, I don't need this at all because it's taking up, up too much space in my brain. Right. And then I've only been sober for a year and three months, so pretty new. But still, that's amazing. <laughs> that's uh, 15 months. That's a, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to believe it's been that long after, like you said, like the, I never went through a period of moderation like you did of like setting a, like one drink a month. But I definitely went through periods of telling myself that I was going to moderate and then failing at it which was exactly like you said exhausting yeah so in some ways like like in some ways actually so much mental energy yeah and so finally being on the side of actually making the decision to not have it be an option at all it is less exhausting in a lot of ways yeah yeah even though that took a long time to come to terms with yeah I mean I feel like I started thinking about my relationship with drinking years before I even had a dry month. Yeah, me too. But it just was so, like, the thought of that was so daunting. Yeah. Um, I took, like, a couple years of exploration. <laughs> yeah. To, to really consider what my life would look like without it. Yeah. Well, should we dive into our questions? And then we can always diverge from that path if we get on another... Yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. So do you want to ask, uh, do you want to go through one of your, your questions that you had first and we can kind of switch back and forth? Oh, sure. One of them was, um, what were you apprehensive about with your sobriety journey and the idea of becoming a mother before you gave birth? And I guess I thought of that question because when, when I was thinking about it, I, uh, I realize that people have so many judgments about pregnant women. People have so many perceptions and so many judgments about what they think pregnant women should be and should be doing and shouldn't be doing. And when I thought about being a pregnant woman who was also in recovery, it was very daunting to me to think about other people's judgments of me being like doubled on both those accounts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you experience any of that? Did you feel like any of those fears came true? Like, did people say things to you that you kind of imagined they might say? Or did you feel like you had worried about things that ended up not even happening? Like, what was your experience? I think part of it was I kept myself from doing certain things. Um, or part of it was just me taking in other people's comments and kind of being... Uh, just dealing with it in my own head. It wasn't it wasn't too big of a deal, but like at one point my husband had said something to his sisters. We were all out at brunch, said something about like, Oh, Leah just reached her nine months of sobriety, isn't that great? And um one of his sisters said, Well, it must be a lot easier now that you're pregnant. And I and she didn't think anything of it and she's much younger than I am and I you know whatever but in my head it, I there was, was no no malice I was just it. no no malice <laughs> at all but in my head it was just like 
well, just because I'm pregnant, does it kind of like discounted all the hard work I'm doing even even now that I was pregnant, like that I still had to be thinking about it all the time and, you know, re- using different resources and listening to podcasts and reading things like to keep myself in a good space with that recovery. And it, it yeah. stung a little bit to be like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's not... easy like of course I wouldn't want to hurt my unborn child but if I were gonna drink I would drink (laughs) you know what it wouldn't matter it wouldn't matter if I was pregnant or not like the temptation would still be there either way Um, yeah so that was one instance and then um I had also thought about like it's interesting in this age of social media you know I've had a number of friends who've like posted on social media when they've had their one year sobriety anniversary or something and I I had no idea that they were sober and they got all this you know positive reinforcement from people and I was like oh I wonder just thinking about it I wonder if I would want to do that when I get my one year sobriety anniversary and then I realized you know it was going to be when I was like seven months pregnant and I I think part of me it did contribute to my decision not to post about it so I was like you know what there's a lot going on here and I just wanted to avoid the fact of anyone telling me or keep just thinking in their head, like judging me for like, oh, you've only been sober for a year and you're about to have a baby. Like that that would somehow be a judgment. Mm-hmm. I think I was just anticipating a lot of things that people probably weren't even thinking, but they definitely ran through my mind. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. That's so true that people are like, oh, well, that nine months when you were pregnant, doesn't really count towards your sobriety because you have to be anyway. Everybody has to be sober then. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, yes and no, Like it's (laughs) still, like you said, uh, you're still doing the work to stay sober and to stay emotionally present. And I don't know about you, but like, since I got sober and, and took alcohol out of my life, I've had to find other ways to cope. And it was really frustrating during my pregnancy because a big part of my coping is hiking and like, like yoga, like athletic Mm -hmm. stuff. And there's so many things you cannot do when you are pregnant. Um, not only for your health and the baby's health, but like you physically can't do them. Like at eight (laughs) months pregnant, I just am not able to do the Cobra position (laughs) in yoga. Like, and it really it was frustrating to me, um, that now I had, I had cultivated all these tools to help me stay sober. And then they got taken away. Like I had a moment of self pity where I was like, Oh, and now they're taken away again. Like now I have to rebuild this <laughs> toolbox again, even though I'd already invested a couple of years and found things that worked for me. And now I can't use them. And the other thing that happened, and I don't know if this happened for you, but during my first trimester, I got really, uh, I had some really weird anxiety and depression come up because every morning when I would wake up with morning sickness, it felt like being hungover. Mm. And I was so angry because I was like, wait, I stopped drinking. I should never have to this way again. And the reason I'm feeling this way is something I'm supposed to be really happy about and really excited about. And of course I am. I was, I was so excited to be having um, a baby, 
I just never expected that I would physically have to feel hungover again. And so that like really triggered a lot of, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you had that experience at all. <laughs> you know, I, I was very lucky and I didn't end up having morning sickness. So I skipped that part. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but I can imagine that being such a weird parallel. Yeah. And it was, I think the biggest, uh, you know, pardon my French, but like the biggest mind fuck about it was like, (laughs) I'm supposed to be feeling so happy right now. And I'm really not because I am having some really intense memories of bad hangovers. Um, and I hadn't really, I haven't really seen a ton of resources. We kind of have talked about this. I know you and I have for women who are already sober when they get pregnant, like who've already gone through the sobriety journey, not people who stop drinking during their pregnancy because, you know, that's what you do to keep your baby healthy, but people who've already gone through the sobriety journey then getting pregnant because there's a lot of stories, you know, that I've listened to and heard about of women who find their sobriety after their kids are maybe a couple months old, couple years old. Yeah. But I had trouble finding narratives of women who were already sober and then stepping into kind of the pregnancy journey because I don't know, I felt like like stepping into that transition brought up a lot of a lot of memories of early sobriety. I don't know, I don't know if it was the morning sickness or what, but I I had a really hard time mentally during my pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, I looked for those resources, too, and I was really surprised not to find them. Um, should we go to that first question that you had, you had put down? Because that's kind of about this. Um, so some resources that were helpful to me. Um, podcasts. I think both of us really enjoy a lot of the same podcasts. Mm-hmm. I love the Unruffled podcast. And... I found that this is really dumb, but I needed to like retreat to things that made me feel comfortable. And these aren't necessarily things that have to do with sobriety or like are sober kind of themed, but in terms of even like what I was watching and what I was reading, I was revisiting places of comfort. Like on Netflix, I really like, I wanted to watch things that made me feel safe. Like what? the off again, watched Parks and Recreation again, rewatching 30 Rock, things that felt, uh, that looked up and made me happy and also just felt safe. Like I felt like I really needed safety during that time. Yeah. How about for you? Keeping really active was important for me. I did, I did stay pretty active for most of my pregnancy. Um, and then I kind of got obsessed with educating myself about pregnancy and birth and, like you said, I listened to podcasts like nonstop, especially with the day job that I was working during my pregnancy. Um, so I went down a rabbit hole of just listening to so many. One of them is called the Pregnancy Podcast, which was really great, but um, just a ton of things about that. And I think it was fun to like have a new hobby kind of to learn about. And then some of the other ones that you might have found too when you were looking for podcasts that dealt with becoming a mother. Um, I didn't find one specifically like that, but I, there's a great new one called Mother Recovering, which I was hoping would be that. Have you seen this one? No, what is it? 
I mean, it's dealing with a lot of things we're talking about, but everyone she's talked to has kind of gone through that transition of already having been a mother before they found sobriety. Um, wow. But it is still really, really interesting. But yeah, I didn't quite have that perspective I was looking for. There's also a couple, um, there's one called Mom in Mind and one called the Honest Mamas podcast, which are kind of all focused on like mental health and becoming a mother, which I think is great. So those are all, um, yeah, good resources that helped me out. I also found I reached out to other women who had recently become mothers that I found to be particularly non-judgmental. Like, I reached out to other mothers who I'd never seen post something like nasty about women or judgmental about women. Um, I reached out to those mothers a lot. And even if I hadn't, like I had some friends in Chicago I reached out to, I had some friends in New York I reached out to, and even though they were people that, you know, we haven't lived in the same place in a couple of years, they really, like, got me through some of those dark hours um, just because they were so willing to listen and, you know, they weren't going to jump to a conclusion of, like, well, it's because you're not eating enough dates in your diet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they were just willing to say, yeah, I hear you, that's that's hard. It's really hard to be pregnant and to acknowledge, you know, those feelings as valid. Yeah. I mean, and that's definitely, you had also brought up, um, like what sort of resources we've been using, like since becoming a mother. And that's definitely one that I've leaned on the most the last month. It's like reaching out to you, reaching out to our other friends who have small children and having that sense of being reassured that like, oh yeah, that's normal. Or I went through that too. Or yeah, this is what I did when I was recovering from that thing. And, um, but now that you say it, it really is similar to the, to the way that like when I first decided to stop drinking, I reached out to you and you were so helpful to me or having, having someone else mirror that back to you. So you don't feel like you're the only one to be like, yes, yes I felt <laughs> that too. Yes. I went through that. Like that's so helpful in both senses of sobriety or, or becoming a mom, I think. Yeah. And I think that the online community for women, you know, if you're willing to do a little bit of digging, especially in like new mama type thing, there are a lot of, there's a lot of women out there that are very honest about their struggles. There was a piece, I don't know if you follow um, this website, it's called the Frugal Woods, and uh-uh. it's a family that's like really been dedicated to getting out of debt, and they've they've uh, basically gone through this whole journey, and they've cataloged it online. And the mom in the family had a baby right around the same time I did, and about a month ago, she posted a very very honest account of her postpartum depression experience, and I you know those hearing those stories, hearing women be so honest about the struggles, even when everything looks okay on the outside, I feel like that for me is like the most nourishing, (laughs) nourishing thing. Yeah, totally. You had a question on here that I think is really interesting. Um, If your partner drinks, how do you both deal with alcohol in the home? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I forget, does your husband drink at all still? Yeah, he still drinks, but not a lot. He's always been someone who is very moderate. 
Yeah. Which was annoying <laughs> when I was drinking because he would, you know, have one drink and make it last for like three hours, um, which I just didn't understand. But um, so since I've been sober, he's been fine with like not having, not really keeping anything in our apartment. Um, like I, I don't mind if he has a drink in front of me, like if we're out with other people or at a dinner or something like that, but he's not somebody who ever goes overboard. Um, but I did have a thought about this and I just decided in the moment, like the week we brought the baby home from the hospital, his parents were here and, um, he mentioned, uh, oh, we do have, there's currently in our house, a bottle of wine up in like a cupboard above the fridge that somebody had given to us, uh, like a couple months ago, a friend who was visiting from out of town had brought it like, I think along with something else as like a congratulations on the baby present or something and it's a nice bottle of wine and he'd been kind of keeping it for something and he was like well I was thinking about getting it out tonight to kind of celebrate with my parents um you know do you mind and I was like actually like I'd really rather I'd rather not like I don't I don't mind you celebrating something else in the future with it but I did I specifically like I don't want that to be the way that we welcome our daughter home from the hospital you know and especially if, yeah. especially if we're celebrating this thing that um, is a part of us and that I physically just birthed out of my body, like there's no reason, there's no reason to celebrate it in a way that I can't participate in. Um, yep. And there's no reason to celebrate this precious little baby with alcohol. <laughs> so, yes. And he was totally, he was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, sorry, I just didn't think, I totally, that's, and he got, he was like, went and got some like fancy ginger beer or something and we did that so um but that was an interesting moment of just clarity where I was like no that's it I know this is like a traditional thing people want to like cheers the new baby but it's that feels really wrong to me that's awesome and you know it's incredible that you felt uh confident enough to speak up and it's incredible that you know, he listened and said, I hear you, let's do something else. Yeah, yeah, he's great that way. And we have, we have a, a couple times had like a game night. Um, and I'll just tell people that, you know, we're making food. And if you want any alcoholic beverages, feel free to bring them yourself. And he'll partake with our friends with like, if they brought a bottle of wine or some beer or something. But I do, I, I think he's conscious of the fact that I don't feel comfortable with having things like leftovers in our house. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't really have an interest in having like, Oh, they brought too much. Let's keep it in the fridge for two weeks. Like that would kind of drive me crazy. Not that I feel like I would drink it, but I just don't like having it hanging around. Yep. You know? Yeah. That's kind of how we are too. My husband does still drink, but he, I mean, a lot like your husband, like it was never in the same way as me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he can have one beer and that's it. Um, so for the most part, like we really don't have alcohol in the house. Every once in a while, he'll bring home a single can of PBR and have it after I go to bed. And he's like playing games on the computer or doing some work on the computer. But that's rare. And I never mind if he wants to have a beverage, like if we're out to a party or if we're out to dinner. Um but he's been very, very respectful of like really not having it in the house. Um, 
and that's been nice. We, we had some nice alcohol, like when I stopped drinking and I ended up giving it to friends and I was just like, Hey, you know, I know you guys have a nice bar in your house here. Have this. I don't want it anymore. Um, so yeah, we kind of, at the beginning, like he would still have a drink when we were out to eat or maybe two drinks. But as my sobriety has gone on longer, it's less and less frequent that he ever even drinks around me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's so nice when you can kind of feel like, I mean, I I know it's not the same as if two people were both sober and going through it together, but it feels really, really good to have someone who is so supportive. Yeah. And he's been, he actually has really loved trying different non-alcoholic beers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that's been fun also. Like he, I am very grateful that he's open to that. And he's said before, he's like, you know, for me, it isn't even necessarily about the alcohol. He's like, it's about having a treat. So like having a non-alcoholic beer for him scratches the same itch as having a regular beer. So, you know, every once in a while, we'll have a six-pack of non-alcoholic beer or um, an alcohol-free wine. I know there are some people who are sober who that, like, that's triggering or that doesn't feel good for, and I completely honor that and understand that. Um, For me, you know, I I enjoy it from time to time, and I know my husband actually really enjoys the non-alcoholic options in the house also. Well, should we talk about our favorite non-alcoholic drinks since we're on the subject? (laughs) I know, Um, I feel like you've tried a lot more than me. Mine are pretty, (laughs) pretty basic. (laughs) Well, what do you like? (laughs) We go through a lot of mango lacroix, lacroix, whatever you want to call it. The like skinny can? (laughs) Well, these are, no, these are the regular cans. Um, Oh, they have mango? Yeah, the mango one is good. Or, I think I've tried that one. Or I do the ginger kombucha. I like that. Um, or sometimes I'll mix like a sel- any kind of seltzer with like apple cider vinegar and lemon, like just a little bit. Ooh. And it has that, that really, really sour good. taste that I miss about a lot of alcoholic drinks or bitter. I should yeah. say bitter taste. I like. I miss that bitter taste also. Um, and I, I've really, like, I've fallen in love with the company Wellbeing Brewing because their non-alcoholic beers are just so tasty. Like, they're so bitter, and they've just got that, like, really uh, lovely hoppy taste that I missed in in uh, in beers. And I just like their company. I like that their company is dedicated to making everyone feel included like to me that's that's where it's at and that's what it's all about how it is making people feel included and giving people options um yeah that and i love uh i'm i love kombucha also i'm always excited to try a new flavor or brand (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i have to try those i have to order some of those well-being non-alcoholic beers and try them (laughs) <laughs> just as a little as a, as a little as a something trial. that you get them and you hate them yeah. you know, it's not very expensive which is nice um, oh I liked you had a question that I really liked um, you know have you thought about how you will talk uh, about your sobriety and about drinking with your kids in the future yeah I'm, I'm so curious to hear your answer well I... <laughs> uh, 
I wrote a little blog post about it. You did? I must have missed that one. I did. Um, it was back it, for Mother's Day. I wrote it, and it was um, about, you know, what I will say to Marcy when she's older about alcohol. And it was the kind of gist of it was you don't need this in your life to be whole and complete. And if you feel like you want to try this, I'm not going to stop you, you know, especially when she's an adult and she can make her own decisions. Like that's her choice, but she does. I I want her to know that she doesn't need alcohol to make close friends and she doesn't need alcohol to be herself and she doesn't need alcohol to have a good time. Um, And it's not, it's not a healthy way to manage your anxiety. So if she is, somebody who also like me and like my husband suffers from some depression and from some anxiety, I want to help her find other resources and ways to cope with that, that aren't alcohol. Yeah. I, I think along those same lines, like I want to acknowledge that that is what a lot of people use it for, that it's not just, you know, a, a social cultural beverage like that's not just what it is um and I think being honest about yeah I I don't know how specific I am yet but I know that I want to be honest about it and consistently this is a weird comparison but I was thinking about uh like when we were growing up my parents got us this kids magazine called zillions which was like kind of like consumer reports for kids (laughs) And they would have, like, product reviews for toys and stuff, but they would also kind of, like, peel the curtain away behind advertising, which I thought was really smart, like, to educate you as a kid. Like, so much advertising is aimed towards kids. And it kind of peeled away the curtain on, like, this is how they're trying to manipulate you into buying these products or this is how they're trying to misrepresent what they're selling to you um and like pull your puppet strings and I was kind of thinking how I want to kind of do that with alcohol for my kids you know and talk about how it's presented by the culture at large and um how there's a lot of myths around it and how like how those how the like the mommy wine culture and how you know the college frat culture and all these things are really you know societal structures and they're not something that's you know necessary does that make sense totally (laughs) and even like I know since both of us came from an arts background I mean I think the arts are as guilty of it as anybody of being like if you want to be a sophisticated adult, you better have a cocktail in your hand. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to have a show opening, you know, at a theater, if you want to have an art reception, there better be wine there. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's bullshit. (laughs) And I think it's perfectly fine if people want to drink and if that is part of, of their life. But I think it's bullshit to say that in order to be an art, artist in order to be part of the arts in order to be a sophisticated adult it must include alcohol yeah yeah I um and this is kind of bleeding into the other half of this question that I had put down of like how did your parents talk to you about it 
And I specifically re- remember I didn't want them to have alcohol at my high school graduation party. Like I, wow. and I don't, it's kind of weird growing up. Like I, I didn't, my mom mentioned to us a few times in her talking to her kids about it, like mentioned to us that like there's, there's history of alcoholism in your family. You guys should be careful when you're adults, just be conscious, be conscious of it. And I, but without any details. Like, I don't remember her telling me about, like, who had the problem or, like, specifics. And I think at some point I became aware that I didn't like it when my dad drank. And I, without getting into specifics about it, I was just like, I don't want there to be any beer at my high school graduation party. And I remember him saying, like, well, you just don't, like, everyone's going to expect for there to be beer. Like, you don't understand. It's like, that's what adults expect at a party. Um... And I don't remember if they ended up having it or not, but I, yeah, I remember him making that argument that it was like, well, that's what all the parents are going to expect. That's so interesting. I think, I do, I think that that narrative is generations old, but it's not a new narrative. No, I mean, I, I think a lot of my, my peers would all expect that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, did your parents ever talk to you about it? Sort of. Neither of my parents drank, like, at all. I had some step-parents who did drink. Um, But my, like, mom and my dad, neither of them really drank. Like, sometimes my mom would have, like, a margarita, like, maybe once a year. (laughs) And I think even as an adult, I've seen my dad have, like, two beers in my lifetime wow. I'm like, like he just doesn't really drink so I don't know I I think that maybe when I was drinking it just felt like something that was mine since my parents neither of my parents really, really did that like, like it was like an identity thing like mm. they don't do this I do this like this is part of me I don't know but they never talked to you about why they didn't why they didn't drink not really. I mean, my mom had said the sort of vague same things as your mom. Like, my mom was like, oh, there's some alcoholics in the family. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and actually, you know what's interesting is I know that my grandmother stopped drinking at some point. But I'm not really sure. I can't remember when. It may, might have been like 15 or 20 years ago. And she was somebody who drank a lot and drank most of of my mom's childhood, I believe. Um, But my mom never really went into a ton of details. Like now that I'm in, you know, we've talked a lot about sobriety. She's gone into further details kind of about some of the history of her and her mom. But when I was younger, she never really went into very much detail about that. Yeah. Well, that's what my, my grandmother didn't drink when I was growing up, but I never really, it was never talked about, and um, I just remember, like, we'd go out for these fancy dinners once a year or whatever, and she'd always order grapefruit juice with a little straw. She wanted, like, one of those little tiny cocktail straws in it. That's amazing. And I never thought about it. I was just like, that's what grandma drinks. (laughs) (laughs) And then much, much, like, in the last five years, at some point, my mom told me that she used to have a drinking problem when my dad was little, and I had no idea. And my dad has never talked to me about wow. it. Yeah. 
just like silent, silent things <laughs> that when you're a kid, you just have no idea. Well, and that's kind of why I feel like I want to be really honest with my daughter when she's, when it makes sense to be honest with her about it, like when she's a preteen and a teenager, because I feel like when things are shrouded in mystery and shame, like it, it creates a lot of questions. And when you're honest about it, I think it's, there's a much better conversation that's happening and kids aren't stupid. You know, they aren't stupid and they want to know why and do think kids are willing to listen if you're being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any resources that you feel like are still missing? I know we talked a little bit about how we do wish there were some better resources for ladies who have been sober and then get pregnant. Um, but are there other, any other resources that you wish you could find that you haven't been able to find? Yeah, I, um, I don't know if maybe I just haven't looked hard enough for this yet, but I, I am curious to do some research and see if there's any sort of like sober moms group in my area. You know, now that I have a kid and I know there's a, there's a lot of different Facebook mom groups for queens or whatever that I'm a part of or like meetup groups. And I'm, I'm curious, that would be something I would be interested in if there's something like where there's like playdates and stuff and everybody happens to be in recovery. That would be cool. Yeah, that's an awesome idea. I would I would love to have something like that yeah. here in Las Vegas too. Like in person. Mm. Like a lot of my recovery has been solo or online. Yep, me I, too. Like, I went to I went to one AA meeting with a friend right when I got sober, and it was fine, but I it wasn't for me. Like it's nice to know that's there if I need it, but I it wasn't for me. So it hasn't. Yeah, it's been a lot of uh, reading and listening and Facebook interactions. So that would be interesting to start having some in person contact. <laughs> besides with people, well, maybe, uh, besides with old friends. What was that? I said, maybe you could put the call out. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> You've been so good about that with your blog and everything. Have you gotten to meet a lot of people in person from that? I've met a couple people in person. Um, I'm working up the like nerve to, to meet more people in person. And we're doing the event next weekend, the kayaking event. That's so right. even though it's a small group on that, I'm really excited. Um, so it's been, and then there've been a lot of ladies locally that I talked to online that we maybe haven't met in person yet, but I know that we will at some point. And that's, that actually has been huge um, for me, just knowing that I'm not alone here. Even if it's somebody that I haven't had a chance to meet in person yet, um, it's been amazing to talk with other people and like receive messages from other people in Las Vegas that are like, hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great that it's like locally based. Yeah. Um, let's see, you had had, how do you think you benefited from sobriety before pregnancy? What did you mean by that? Honestly, I, I feel like I would have really been even more of a mess before and after, like dur during pregnancy and during the like, fourth trimester if I hadn't already been sober like I do think sobriety 
teaches you that you can do hard things and that it teaches you to, to live in the moment one mm-hmm. minute at a time, one day at a time. And I keep coming back to the mantra, like the, the sentence that I play over and over in my head that I also played over and over in my head during my early sobriety was, is temporary. Um, whether it's good or it's bad, the moment that you are in is temporary. And if you're having a hard time, you can know that a better moment is coming soon. And if you're having a wonderful time, you need to enjoy and savor that moment because it's not, not, nothing good can stay. Like it won't always be good. So like, I feel like that was like a lesson I learned in sobriety. And I feel like it's something that I have really leaned on during these first nine months of my daughter's life. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, especially, I'm assuming, especially during like the birth itself, that is a very helpful <laughs> mantra to have. Yes, <laughs> this is temporary. I do any couple of hours. <laughs> I had, um, yeah, is there, I mean, oh, go ahead. I was thinking like some of the things that happened when I got sober was that, um, it really actually made me like reconnect with my husband in a really beautiful way. And we both kind of realized that we'd been, been together for so long. We were kind of taking a lot of things for granted. Um, like we were good and we were fine and whatever, but we kind of fallen into a rut and weren't being as honest as we could be about a lot of little things along with the drinking thing as well. And so I think that being present, like you said, and also like the not taking things for granted is something that was a huge benefit that I didn't know was going to come with sobriety and something that I'm hoping to, you know, invest with the relationship with my kid too. Yeah. Especially when, you know, even in one month in, (laughs) you know, it's the days are long and there are annoying things and things that are boring and like it can be easy to take things for granted but just kind of having that reminder to keep clicking yourself out of that and be like oh my god this is a tiny human (laughs) this is incredible (laughs) and not taking it for granted yeah yeah I feel like sobriety makes you live in the moment in a really new and different way and that is that is sort of what those first couple months of having a kid are is you're just living in the moment (laughs) yeah but do you feel like is there anything else you feel like you want to discuss or anything that kind of I don't know had been in the peripherals of your mind when you're thinking about this conversation yeah I guess um I guess you had put down one question about like what was it what do you wish other other ladies who are about to make this journey knew? And I think, especially since I got sober so, you know, I got sober at the end of June last year. I got pregnant in November. Like, it wasn't that far after, like six months. I was still dealing with a lot of those kind of early recovery feelings of, like, shame and guilt and things like that. Um which I feel like I've mostly 
gotten over now, although I'm sure they'll keep coming back in different ways throughout my life. But, um, yeah, I think that was something that I was looking for when I was looking for those resources is like, how do you, how do you continue to let go of those things when you're choosing to become a parent and to know that you're still, I just want to tell other people to be like, you're still worthy and you're still deserving of becoming a parent. And, um, you know, just cause you made, you had something in your past that didn't work for you or was a mistake or, you know, yeah, just didn't work for you. It doesn't mean that this other part of your life isn't going to be beautiful and that you have so much to give and are worthy, even if you have something that you feel is like a darkness that you overcame. Like that's the positive part is that you overcame it and you have that to give to someone else, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of what I was thinking of. I think just because I was still dealing with that when I first got pregnant. Yeah, the shame is shame is real, and I think I think you're so right that what a great piece of advice of like focusing on the fact that you overcame it and not that there's shame in your past. You know that if there are other ladies out there who've gotten sober before they've become a mama, like, you know, good for you. And if there's ladies out there who've gotten pregnant or gotten sober after they've had their baby, like good for you. Either way, anyone who makes a decision to better themselves, I wish we would focus on that rather than the shame of our past. How about you? Is there anything else you wanted to touch on? I don't think so. I'm so grateful for you and I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, yay. Um, I love you too. And I'm really glad that we talked about a lot of this. <laughs> me too. Uh, you had mentioned something about like the mommy drinking memes and stuff. Is that something you wanted to get into? It's okay. No, I think Aaron Shaw Street does a pretty good job of covering that and tell better stories. <laughs> okay, great. We can just point people towards that then. Yes. Go visit Tell Better Stories if you are over mommy drinking culture. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what we do with this thing. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.